Hello and welcome to Lawrence Fork in Kansas, the podcast about the people and the stories behind the local food you love. I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen. And today we're interviewing Matt Williams and Sam McLean from Lawrence Beer Company. Today we're talking with president and co-founder Matt Williams and head brewer Sam McLean of Lawrence Beer Company. Matt and Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for you. having us. For those of you who haven't been there, Lawrence Beer Company, you know, they, they're located there in the Warehouse Arts District. Uh, you guys opened two, two years ago, almost, in 2017. And you guys are just, you're obviously you're a brewery, but then you're really cranking out some really great food there, too. Um, so it's just this really how we view it always is very inclusive place you know it's a very family friendly environment um you, they have a very very great patio as well that you guys just recently covered as well which is yeah. great for these hot summers um but yeah just really really nice you guys hold a lot of events around there too you got a nice little green space next door and and yeah just uh we just really love the scene you guys have built there it really kind of blossomed from two years ago and then you guys just kind of keep going with it so yeah, yeah we, we kind of went with the three-pronged attack uh we have hopefully food that people love. Uh, if you're not into food, then we have some uh, delicious drinks, beer, uh, and wine, cocktails. And if you're just like our space, it's also cool to hang out there. So uh, between those three things, we try to attract a pretty wide crowd and try yeah. to find something for everybody. Well, yeah. I'd say you're nailing it on all fronts. <laughs> Good, great. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you from Lawrence? Um, sort of. Uh, I grew up in Tonganoxie. Um, I've lived in Lawrence since 1999. Uh, so at this point, I've, I think I can officially call myself a townie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, you know, in college here, I'm a KU grad uh, college. I worked in bars and restaurants. Uh, and then after that, uh, I worked for a beer distributor. Um, I was, uh, my accounts were all the bars and restaurants in town. And then that was kind of my first foray in the craft beer world. We launched brands like Odell and New Belgium into the market. Oh, wow. So I had experience with some of the best, you know, some of the most iconic breweries right out of the gate. Yeah. Then I worked, I uh, switched into more of the marketing and branding side of craft beer here at a company uh, called Grandstand here in town. I was in charge of the 20 state Midwest region. So I worked wow. exclusively with breweries and then um, did that for a few years. And then from there, uh, I got recruited by a company based out of Colorado that did more high-end design, um, did graphics uh, and merchandise for like North Face and Google and places like that. Oh, wow. But they wanted to kind of expand their craft beer um, portfolio, so they brought me in, which was, uh, uh, I worked remotely from Lawrence um, in Boulder a couple days oh, a, a month, uh, which is a great way to experience a place like Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a couple days a month. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did that up until uh, the point where I defi- officially decided to, to quit just thinking about it and and um, pull the trigger and, and do this. Cool. So, wow. Sounds like you're perfectly prepared to start your own place. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought so too, but yeah. you still learn things every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. How about you, Sam? You- yeah, much less strategic approach. Um, <laughs> I studied uh, journalism and English in college uh, and graduated in 2010 to a really terrible job market. Yeah. Not that there were going to be any jobs for a journalism and English major anyways. Um, <laughs> but I started homebrewing in college uh, just because I was fascinated by it. I had a buddy that um, was pretty into it, and he kind of helped get me started. So I started making my own beer. Um, one, I because I liked beer and I couldn't afford it. So I was like, well, I'll just make it. Um, <laughs> so I, I started making beer, graduated college, and wanted to work at a brewery. Uh, and at that time, breweries were really 
one of the only industries that were experiencing super rapid growth. Yeah. Um, so I got a job at a brewery in Chicago called Half Acre Beer Company. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that company was really doubling in production size every year. So I started in the store selling growlers. And within a year, I was uh, on the canning line um, and then in the cellar and in the brew house. And so their rapid growth allowed me to really do every job in the company. Uh, but on an expedited tract, I didn't have to you know, wash kegs for three years. Um, I got to do every job and then I was brewing within a couple of years. So it was really hmm. good timing. I uh, learned so much, but I got to do it really quickly. Um, so that's kind of how I cut my teeth in the brewing industry. Mm-hmm. And did you go right from half acre down to here or did you have somewhere? Yeah. So I'm originally from Abilene, Kansas. Okay. Um, my wife is from the other side of uh, Kansas City in Missouri. So we were wanting to move out of Chicago. Chicago's like a beautiful world-class city, but it had started to close in on us Dang. a little bit. So we were looking for a mid-sized city and Kansas City seemed to make sense at the time, mm-hmm. closer to both of our families. And so we moved there. Um, I worked at Boulevard for about a year and a half. Uh, a couple short stints at uh, Torn Label. Uh, those guys are my buddies. So I worked there just a, a short time, and then I got connected with the guys at LBC. And so, so Matt, you kind of talked about. So you kind of said, "All right, I'm going to pull the trigger." So how'd that come about? You know, how'd you <laughs> how'd you find all the right people? And yeah, uh, well, I drove by uh, the building we're in every day for four years. So I was going to the grandstand, and you know, uh-huh. every day in the morning and night. And uh, I always thought it'd be great space. Uh, and honestly, we never looked at a different building right. I mean, it was always going to be that building hmm. um so i finally um i thought i created a business plan and met with the uh, university of kansas small business development center which is a free service here in town if anybody's hmm. thinking about um business you can go bounce ideas and they'll help you kind of structure formalize the structure and um, they were really helpful um but i i filed the business plan and then started putting together the team uh i got introduced to um, they're a mutual friend, um, one of our business partners, Adam Williams, who's a developer, uh, and then um, the older brother of someone I went to college with and was friends with in college, Brendan Allen, uh, and then we added Ken Baker once we kind of got more structure and, uh, and really committed ourselves to the food uh, component, which we couldn't you know, couldn't think of a, any, a better person to add than Ken. So uh, it, it worked out really well. Everybody, like Sam mentioned, everybody kind of has their own wheelhouse of expertise. Um, you know, my, the marketing and branding and kind of restaurant in general, um, Brendan's, uh, IT business genius, um, Adam's a construction developer, uh, and Ken obviously knows his way around a kitchen and set up and, yeah. uh, and has a reputation to follow it. Um, so we then, um, you know, uh, figured out a way to, we uh, bought the building that we're in, um, and then began a year of construction. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's no small fee. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we you know we we took the the roof off and added new steel and all the HVAC and plumbing and it's just um, it was a beautiful old building that we tried to just kind of bring uh, modernized touches um, without losing kind of the soul of it. So I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, yeah. And then we uh, the half acre guys actually called me. Um, Sam and I's mutual friend um, called me and he was like, "Hey, because I'd become friends with Half Acre and worked with them for a while." Um, but Trent called me and said, I, I know you're doing this brewery thing. I, I don't know where you're at in the process, but um, our guy Sam just moved to Kansas City, and uh, I really think that two of you should connect. So they kind of introduced us and, and kind of told Sam what I wanted, kind of vibe-wise, and he hit back that it was pretty much exactly what he was looking for. Uh, and then we then we brought him on, and he did construction for a year. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really interesting time. I had been a production brewer for 
almost six or seven years and it was you know it's a great industry to be in Mm -hmm. Um, production brewing has its ceiling and its limits you walk in the door and you brew when you from the moment you get there and then when your shift is done you're you stop brewing and that's really your primary task so it's really good for efficiency and consistency Um, but I was looking for more um, so I was thinking about getting out of the brewing industry Um, it Unless I, I found a really uh, awesome scenario. Um, so really when Matt contacted me, I realized here are these guys that are going to build me a brewery and I can do whatever I want um, and they're just going to pay for it and I can just uh, have okay. free reign. And that's really, I mean, uh, for a brewer, that's the, the best yeah. opportunity. Um, and, and not having a production setting as well is amazing. Uh, we don't have to fit a production schedule. We don't have to worry about packaging and marketing. Um, you know, six months out for a spring release, we can just really decide what we want to drink uh, at that moment and brew it. So it's really pretty ideal situation. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Cause you guys, I mean, your, I mean, your brewery setup is, is really, I mean, uh, when I saw it going in, when you were first installing it, I was like, wow, I mean, that's just, you had some really nice equipment. I'm, I'm a chemical engineer is what I went to school for. So nice. I always love uh, <laughs> seeing the big tanks and all that. I'm like, Oh man, it's just really uh Really a cool, uh, cool setup. So, what, did you get to get involved in some of that design too, Sam? Or you? There? Yeah, and I was sort of in between jobs at that time. Um, I was starting to work a little bit with uh, the guys at Torn Label. Um, so when I got contacted, um, or when I met up with Matt, I said, "Okay, I'm in, but you have to hire me right now, and I'll just start working on the building." So I did um, a lot of construction, mostly cleanup, and mm-hmm. my I took it. Uh, my role was to keep the contractors moving. So whatever <laughs> any contractor needed, I would just try to help them out. And then as we got closer to opening, I got to design and build a, my own brewery to function the way that I wanted with uh, every hose or gauge or valve in the spot that I wanted, every tank mm-hmm. placed where I wanted. So it was um, being there from the very beginning is awesome. So. Now when a contractor comes and is asking for where the elevator control room is, I know where it is. I, you know, I really have an intimate working knowledge of that building, um, and that's something I'm really fascinated by. I only want to do it once. Um, <laughs> so we did it, and now we can just enjoy it. How does that, that always intrigued me too, is how, how did you go from, you know, you're in construction, and then obviously you're going to have a, you know, your grand opening, that pre-build too of like all the, all the beers you have to make and all that. I imagine that's kind of a tricky coordination. Do you have to you make it all there or do you have to like use other people's to help make equipment? Yeah. And Matt will probably speak on this better. Um, but we had an opportunity to book the Boston's for an opening party, but there was a very finite date. And so we said, okay, we'll just open at that date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really probably at least 30 days too soon. Um, but we just <laughs> made it work. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a huge risk to be, to be quite frank. It was really risky. Um, and it couldn't have gone better. Um, but yeah, Matt could probably fill you in on how that whole scenario went down. Yeah, we um, we had the opportunity in, I think it was March, like end of March. Um, because you opened in August. We opened in August. So the end of March, um, we were presented with this opportunity. Um, you know, one of my good friends, um, Mike Logan, who uh, you guys know as a Granada and lots of other stuff in town. Yeah. Uh, he has helped us with the production on all of our parties and any sort of big events that anyone in the city does. Mike's behind. Uh, mm-hmm. But he reached out. He, he knew that, uh, you know, the Boss Sands one of my favorite bands. And we, throughout the process of this, we always talked about doing some sort of big event launch. Um, so uh, Mike sent me a screenshot of his calendar 
um, just said August 25th, my my boss town. So he just texted to me. I was like, oh man, that's great. I'm in. I was yeah. like, Granada? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, he said, no, I was thinking about a street party. I said, okay, even better. I'm still in. He goes, yeah. well, I was thinking about Pennsylvania Street. And at that point, I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, I, I see what you're doing here. He goes, the problem is we had like a week to commit. Uh, oh, and, man. And, and so we sat down as an ocean group with Sam. It was just like, okay, the date's August 25th. It's March. Uh, like we didn't have a roof on that point. I was like, oh, can we do this? <laughs> Should we do this? Uh, and it was it was stressful and I can't and you know there was some back and forth, but eventually, uh, Rich was like, you know what, risk reward, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and then about a week up to <laughs> leading up to the party, um, you know that whole my whole, my job was to sell tickets and to uh, kind of build the hype for it. And mm-hmm. so we were going. We had Fox Four News came out that day, and we were I was on radio and just bunch of newspaper interviews and the whole time in the back of my head I was like we're not gonna make it you know I was like these yeah. people are gonna be really mad at me we're gonna have this huge party we sell these tickets and and so it was through you know we called in our our friends to help us and everybody basically for 48 hours didn't sleep um and then for the weeks leading up to that uh, it was it was rough but yeah. I uh, mean we were still placing kitchen equipment within the hour before yeah. that we opened our doors yeah. oh um, man and and it really should not have gone well but it it went really really well (laughs) that's and that's a credit to you know we were lucky we had a really experienced staff obviously not with us but um in the industry and Mm -hmm. everybody was had bought in and and you know we basically like okay we're turning the equipment on open the doors for thousands of people and it it i I remember a specific very i mean this was two years ago and i remember very clearly after the party uh talking to josh kennedy the uh the chef um out back of the restaurant, kind of the the craziness had died down, and he looked at me and he was like, "Man, five hours ago, I didn't even know if our kitchen staff could cook." And then he, <laughs> and then he paused and he was like, "They can cook." Wow. Yeah. So it was, um, That's yeah. Wild. We'll just do that once. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. It was a thrill, but we'll have more control from now on. It, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm at the, you know, I'm down there almost every day, and every day that I'm down there, that party comes up. I mean, people talk about that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was huge. It was worth it, but, man, oh, yeah. it, was, it was dicey there for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but then, you know, we you know, we, we were really cognizant of we had to we had a very short amount of time to make beer for all these people. So we one of the reasons we chose to partner with our friends at Scobbering for that was just because we weren't going to have enough time to make mm-hmm. enough beer. So we yeah. went out in July. Uh, Sam and I went out to Durango and brewed um, a delicious beer out with them that we then bought to sell at the party. To yeah, yeah, the one we had to Matt had a relationship with them, so that was an obvious um, good partnership. But we really didn't know if we would have beer for the party. Um, we ended up having uh, four different beers on that night of our own, um, which is about sixty barrels or one hundred and twenty kegs worth of beer. So we had produced a lot of beer at that time um but a month beforehand or a month and a half we really didn't know um if we were going to be there um so that's that's the other half of the reason of partnering with another brewery is to uh, if we have an opening party we better be selling beer we have to sell some sort of beer (laughs) so there is a little bit of confusion um because we did partner with them people didn't know if we contract brewed all of our beer or if someone else is making it for us. So really we had that one beer, um, the, uh, a sour that we did with them mm-hmm. and that was a collab beer. And then the other beers we had made, um, 
in-house. you know in-house yeah exactly yeah. what is the scott connection anyway yeah that's what i was like every every time you had boston <laughs> yeah. so obviously you liked them yeah. uh but then yeah i think every year since then you've had you had save ferris last year yeah uh i think that's really just the just kind of music that i like yeah. so, uh it, you know the people ask that that a lot um you know the Boston's. They did a lot of things. We, which we wanted to do. We, you know, we wanted to make a splash. Um, mm-hmm. People paid attention because mm-hmm. you know the Boston's don't really tour anymore. That tour that year was uh, Red Rocks and our and our grand opening. Whoa. That was like the Boston's wow. tour. Whoa. So um, we took the opportunity to kind of just get our name out there. Um, it also, uh, you know, Scott music's really good party music. You know, it's not inappropriate. Yeah. It's not, um, it, it can be family friendly. My, my six year old son, huge Scott fan, just <laughs> naturally, just cause it's yeah. energetic, good party music. Um, it also, uh, kind of helps set a demographic, um, which we did think about, you know, mm-hmm. w- you know, obviously the, the neighborhood aspect and, and you, anybody who came to the brewery was going to be, we would be really happy that they came. Um, but a band like that who has a really defined kind of demographic and uh, it really just kind of helps set again and get everyone's attention that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, we're just going to keep the ska train rolling because it's yeah. something that we enjoy and it tends to be a good party. Yeah, I, so. keep, yeah. I keep pushing for Andrew WK, but <laughs> yeah. it would be a great party, but it doesn't really check all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. right. And uh, also something that you learn in this process is how much bands uh, charge for this sort of thing. Yeah. So there's lots of bands. People are like, yeah, you should get, you know, like Modest Mouse. I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> but they're expensive. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's kind of a, you know, there's a definitely a, a wheelhouse that we're looking for. Yeah. Well, let's talk about beer a little bit. So you guys have some things that are there all the time, but then you also have a good amount of beers that sort of rotate in. You work on special new beers or collaborations with local um, businesses or restaurants like Repetition Coffee. Um, So how do you decide who to partner with and what to make and what goes into that? Yeah, I mean, well, the first important thing is that we're not a production brewery. So we're not uh, dedicated to any one brand because we don't need to fill packaging and keep the uh, the liquor store shelves full of a specific brand so what that allows us to do is have a lot of flexibility so uh, but it's a balancing act because you if you have beers that people can count on and they get to know that's really great it makes the production schedule a little bit easier uh, people can come back knowing that the one beer that they like is always going to be there um, so we do about half and half there's been a few brands that we um, well, not even that we've decided, the customers have decided that they like the best, and we try to keep those around uh, at least most of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have 14 taps, so then that leaves about seven taps for us to just play around with mm-hmm. either seasonal beers that rotate um, or come come around once a year. Oktoberfest is an example of that beer, uh, beer that we're going to brew it uh, in the fall, and then when it's gone, we're going to move on to something else. So it's really a balancing act between having things that people can count on and then having beers that make people want to come back to see what's new um and then as far as partnering with other people in town um you know i've done a lot of brewery collaborations those can be really fun um a lot of times it's more an email exchange about a recipe it's not so um intertwined Mm -hmm. Uh, but the relationships that we have with the businesses in town that we work with are my favorite projects to do uh because you really get in the trenches with people especially um with uh, companies like Repetition Coffee. When I was wanted to make a coffee beer, I needed a roaster partner that was going to be willing to do a lot of the 
the beta work and the, the testing right. um, and a lot of trials. You know, it wasn't going to be, uh, we'll just choose a bean that we think will taste good, yeah. roast it, put it in and see how it turns out. It was really systematic. So they would roast, we would taste, we would make notes, we would change things, and then we'd do the process over and over and over again. So that for me is super rewarding because you, one, the product that you get is going to be uh, a lot more conscious and I think better. It's going to taste mm -hmm. better because you've you've done all the work to make it exactly how you intended. So I, uh, I love those relationships. Um, I'm trying to think some of the people that we've worked with. We just did a beer with merchants. Um, That's right. Yeah, that was really good. The strawberry one. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, TK and Emily came to us and they uh, and they had the idea. Um, they said, let's make a strawberry imperial pilsner with strawberries from Woolitz Farm. And mm -hmm. I and I said, okay. Yeah, we were like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so that, you know, logistically, that beer was really hard to make. We picked almost 600 pounds of strawberries. Wow. We processed them all ourselves. Huh. Uh, we get it into the beer. It was a lager, which is uh, the yeast is active at a low temperature. So there's all these concerns about um, having refermentation. And so it was a really fun project that we had to problem solve at every step of the way. So those are my favorite projects. We've done some stuff with Lucky Berry. Um, I'm Elliot from Kombucha and I have been scheming for a while. Mm -hmm. We haven't got anything out yet, but that's um, in the future. So yeah, for me personally, even as a new resident of Lawrence, that's the thing that I enjoy the most. So those are going to be uh, constant projects that we'll have coming out. Yeah, we're constantly trying to figure out ways. Uh, like with Bon Bon and Burger Stand, you know, we made a beer for Burger Stand. It's kind of the first yeah. foray into this um, that's, that's gone really well. And, you know, we have such a close both, you know, working relationship and friendship relationship and, and um, just proximity with Bon Bon that, you know, we we are constantly trying to figure out, you know, what we can, how we can work together. And just really just a lot of these, um, we're intrigued by these businesses and appreciate what they do and just and have become fr friends with them. Mm -hmm. So the next logical step is, well, let's figure out something cool that we can do together. Yeah, yeah. it definitely doesn't come from each companies or each business's accountant calling each other, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, this would make, uh, this would really make us a lot of money. It's really the opposite where we're like, Hey, we're kind of become friends with these people or we'd like to work with them or we really appreciate what they do. Mm -hmm. And then like, then we just go for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it oftentimes it doesn't make any financial sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, those are the best, yeah. the best projects. So along with beer, what about the, let's talk a little bit about the food menu too. I know you guys, I mean, you, I guess what what was the I mean because obviously you go open up a brewery you're going to focus on on beer but then you know you guys knock it out of the park too with with food you yeah re you like, really it's not just typical like sort of bar food like there are some sort of bar food things like hamburgers and stuff but then they're like next level hamburgers <laughs> yeah and you also elevated have really good is the buzzword <laughs> yeah, yeah. El elevated bar food or something yeah. like that but yeah no I mean it's it's great I mean we even talk whenever we go there I think even just like the salad they're so the salads good. are very good like yeah we, we often recreate yeah. the salads at home just because we're yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> we're like what's in this it's great and it's it. but anyway so yeah i mean what what kind of drew, drove you guys to say like hey we're, we're not going to be beer we're going to be food as well like, yeah i mean just conceptually um you know if you're if you're drinking beer you eventually want food or if you're eating food you eventually want beer so <laughs> you know the concept of the whole business was to be this neighborhood gathering spot where you know people of all ages and like sam said if you know if you like beer if you don't like beer there's going to be something there for you so we 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 the food aspect was really important we wanted to be able to 
incorporate the craft business or the, the craft aspect of the beer in, in the food as well. So um, ingredient based, you know, making sure, you know, the best food comes from the best ingredients, best beer comes from the best ingredients, you know, getting local, fresh, awesome ingredients um, and just letting a really talented staff kind of play around with what they do best um, and, 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 you know, being able to offer, you know, a normal menu, but then off also unique lunch and dinner specials every day, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty impressive and it allows them to, to, to bring in ingredients where they, you know, they know they're just using them for one day so they can do something that's probably not sustainable on a large scale, but something that's really fresh and innovative for one day. Yeah. That's something I don't think a lot of people realize they'll, they'll come, especially on a weekday for lunch, they'll come on a weekday and they'll be like, wow, there was this really awesome special on that Wednesday that I went. Uh, and I think there's a really awesome special every single day um, and it's always something new so um, yeah it's really impressive what those guys do because I make um, you know two or three new beers every couple months and they're doing a new dish every single day so I walk in in the morning and oftentimes I'll swing through the kitchen and I'll see Josh or Ken and I'll just ask them what they're working on because they're first thing they do in the morning is they are they're working on the, the special for the day, which is something that we've never served before and likely will never serve again. So it's a it's a cool component of of the business that I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it yeah, it, it it really supports the beer. Uh, we sell more beer because we have food uh, and it allows me to have freedom in brewing because we don't have to just sell beer, too. So it, it's uh, yeah, it's amazing having the kitchen there. I do appreciate a little bit of dissonance in our space where you have things happening next to each other that don't really make sense. Mm. The first time we had trivia, it was a Sunday night. Um, I was there. Uh, there were tables of people drinking beer and eating French fries. And right next to that table, there were was a gentleman in a suit uh, on a date. They were eating scallops and drinking wine. And it was happening <laughs> uh, both in the same space. And and, and it, was, it was working. And I think that's you know, something that you can't really find in a lot of places. Um, and I think it kind of brings back the point of a community brewery and what that really means is it is a space for all people, whatever you happen to be into. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we've got it. Yeah. And, and we, we thought about that sort of aspect with the, you know, the table layout we wanted to create, you know, different environments. You know, if you're mm-hmm. on a, a date, there's a, a spot in the restaurant that works for you. If you're there with 15 of your friends, there's a spot that we can work for you. If you want to just have a quick beer at the bar, maybe interact, meet some people. There's, you know, some community space that you can just kind of stand. In. And mm-hmm. if you want to just chill on the couch in the sun, mm-hmm. um, which is where you usually find Sam's dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, just, there's a couch in the sun uh, or a patio um, that's now, like you mentioned, covered. Uh, that's been a wonderful addition. So we, we really thought about that, that we wanted to to be able to accommodate whatever people were there for. Yeah. And our, our restaurant is really big, mm-hmm. and that wasn't by design. It's just a large building. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've figured out that allows us to do is be really accommodating because you yeah. – all that's of a sudden so you have 12 people and you're on mass street and you have no idea where you're going to yeah. eat food. And then you have the one friend who's hangry and they're like, we need to eat right now. <laughs> um, you can walk into our restaurant oftentimes at peak time with 10 or more people and you can get a table and be sat. Um, yeah. you, you, we have groups there the, on the mother's weekend, the fraternities <laughs> are notorious for 
reservations for 30 and they show up with 50 and we can oh, see we yeah. can work it in so yeah that wow. space is really flexible so we i mean we have um hopefully we have great beer and we have great food but the space is also something mm. that really works in our favor yeah that's so true we've definitely been those people that show up with like 10 or 12 <laughs> and we're like oh my god i hope we can sit there and then yeah. always yeah i've never had an issue yeah your table layout is just yeah i think and they all you know they can all we play basically table Tetris uh, yeah. every, I come in the mornings every day and like the tables are all moved and we just move <laughs> them back. So we can, we kind of design them so you can, you know, push them together, spread them apart. Um, with the idea being like, we want to be really flexible and accommodate whoever comes in. Yeah. And that flexibility also, um, it, it comes with the fact that we didn't, not everything that uh, happens at the brewery now was by design. We opened <laughs> and we thought, man, these tables are really wide. Yeah. And so we made them more narrow. So it's like when you talk about flexibility, it's being able to make to change and make things uh, work better. So, um, yeah, we're not rigid in any facet of our business. Yeah, what's really nice, too, I should bring up is that you guys have a space, too, that you can kind of reserve as well as like a little enclosed space. We do. Yeah, we um, creatively just called it the tasting room. No, uh, but it's got an 18 foot long by four foot wide by four inch thick kind of boardroom style table in it. Yeah. Seats about 22 to 25 comfortably around the table. Uh, it's got a glass garage door. Uh, it's got AV capabilities. It's got a big window to the outside and, and also to the brewery fishbowl. Uh, um, so it's a really cool space. It's all it, it matches rest like brick and concrete. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a full sit down dinner, um, it's a really unique environment and we also um you know if not everybody needs a seat we have the ability to have you know 30 or 40 people come like happy hour coming and going um so it works really well um and and we we've had it you know there's important um structured meetings there's 60th birthdays there's baby showers there's wedding rehearsal dinners there's um fancy football drafts there's (laughs) there's you name it um there's a lot of organizations and in town that have kind of um, de facto used us as their kind of remote office mm-hmm. which is great you know yeah. we we free wi-fi and plugins everywhere on purpose because we want people to come uh, just sit and hang out and if we yeah. can do a shameless plug that uh, we're not open on mondays but there's an event right now at the yeah party. we're oh, doing really? a catering um so the whole restaurant can be yours so yes uh, if you want to throw a party on monday on a monday just, <laughs> just give us yeah. a call cool <laughs> Um, so we wanted to ask you guys, we saw in the journal world, you're, uh, opening a new location in West Lawrence. So what's yes, the, what's the, uh, what's the deets on that? Is that, uh, what influenced that decision? Yeah. Well, um, as a company, there's basically three ways for us to grow. Um, we could buy a canning or bottling line and, uh, start trying to can or bottle our beer and get into liquor stores and grow the beer production that way. Um, there's lots of cost and, and lots of logistical, um, issues with that mm-hmm. uh we could try to send kegs across the state or throughout the region and grow beyond tap more places um that also has its hurdles uh and both of those kind of limit our would limit hinder our flexibility of making beer mm-hmm. uh so the third way was to basically sell more pints at a different location so uh west lawrence uh a, a spot in west lawrence really allows us to kind of duplicate our concept of a neighborhood brew pub just in a different neighborhood uh, in the same city that we're all familiar with and 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 just basically with the same equipment that we have uh, make more beer and sell it which will then allow us to you know flip beers over faster uh, and and just kind of um, give our staff opportunity to grow and just do all these really great things 
all the while still kind of continuing our, our same vibe. Um, and so, you know, the idea is to have a complementary concept, you know, that the aesthetics will be similar, the beer will be the same, uh, there will have a kitchen on the west side. Um, we're, we're leaning more towards kind of a, a counter service, artisanal deli style. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to still come to see the East Lawrence uh, spot. Yeah. You know, but the what? But the people who live across town, you know, instead of maybe being able to come once a month just because everybody's busy and you know driving, whether you're driving east or west, Lawrence is not the easiest town mm-hmm. to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just want a couple beers uh, after work. You know, not either. They're not necessarily going to drive across town. So now we're going to give them kind of a neighborhood spot where we can we can um, just it scratches a lot of itches for us. Cool. Yeah, and you know, one we we saw an opportunity on the west side where like the this concept really seems like it could have a home here. Um, and then two, the big uh, the bigger reason is that we have the brewing equipment, we have the capacity. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to make any production changes. The west side won't have any brewing equipment. Um, we'll be transporting our beer from our brewery in East Lawrence and putting it on tap over there. Um, and like Matt said, we'll, the, the goal is to sell more pints. Um, and that, um, I talked to our staff about this. Why is that important? It, it changes so many things. Even the way that beers turn over right now, we. Um, have an IPA electric IPA on all the time Uh, and then we do rotating IPAs and usually um, our rotating IPAs last about two to three months Um, with a second location that will go down to one and a half to two months so instead of having four to six rotating IPAs a year we could do five to eight or Mm -hmm. ten so we're the number of beers that we can brew in a year is going to go way up so as a brewer selfishly that's awesome (laughs) Um, it also allows us on the production side to uh, offer more full-time employment so um, assistant brewer mitch um, will be a full-time brewer Uh, that'll allow us to bring in some part-time packaging and then that'll free me up to do more beer projects, um, get more serious about our sour program, our barrel aging program, and working with people in the community. So that West Side location, it makes, uh, we think, some business sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the impact that it's going to have on our company is going to be uh, the greater the greater reason because it will just o- open up the, the brewery wide open, I think. Do you have a projected date for that? I'm going to make you say a month earlier than what you want. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we're too smart. We're too smart. We, we, we have not committed to a street party grand opening. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say that. Uh, one thing that we also love um, at Lawrence Beer Company is your branding in general. And just your attention to detail. Like you guys have your logos like everywhere. Even like if you finish your beer on the bottom of the glass, there's a little dog there. So cute. So we just really appreciate all the details. Even your bar mats at the bar have like the dogs on it. Just everything is fully Lawrence Beer Company, which is really cool. So first of all, where did the dog come from? Um, and also what goes into creating all your branding? Uh, yeah, um, that's something we get asked a lot. Uh, whose dog is it? Um, so the, the dog is the dog is everyone's dog. It, um you know that's this is the this is the world that I come from. Uh, so my my favorite brands were always the ones that um, you could pull out an aspect of it and it'd be a recognizable icon. You know, mm-hmm. you see the the fat tire bike or the Great Divide, the Yeti. You mm-hmm. see it and it doesn't even, it doesn't say the company name on it. It just has the icon. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to to work to create something like that. But you know, with with and I really wanted it to be East Lawrence specific, and then um, then after that Lawrence. Um, there's no real geographic icons. Uh, we played around a little bit with the river, 
but um, we, we really so we we're having trouble kind of thinking conceptualizing that so we, we focused on our neighborhood specifically okay what's cool about our neighborhood well it's it's really the people it's the eccentric background there's you know doctors and lawyers and hippies and just all this weird background mix of people that doesn't seem like it should work very well together but it does uh, and the, from that that this idea of this neighborhood mutt came up you know there's all of a sudden there's this dog that showed up you don't know what kind of dog it is you don't know where it came from but it's here uh, it's wanting to play all the time and you don't really know anything about it other than it's, it's just here. Um, and, and you don't know what kind of dog it is, but it's, it's just this cute, adorable, lovable thing. <laughs> um, so we actually worked with a, um, company called design ranch in Kansas city. They actually conceptualized the dog, uh, in a meeting with little pieces of black electrical tape. They were just sitting, uh, just picking and putting it together on the table and, and it eventually just formed uh, just like a nervous habit, just pulling little uh-huh. black pieces uh, and it formed the shape of this dog uh, and we decided to keep it that w- way because if you, if you look at the dog, it's really kind of rough and mm-hmm. like splotchy, uh, mm-hmm. but I really like the kind of the messy aspect of it. Uh, so that's where the dog came from. Um, all the little details, that's just the stuff that, um, that I geek out on. Um, the dog in the glass uh, is actually a nucleation point. So it's laser etched in the bottom of the glass. And if you watch it, it, it creates a constant stream of bubbles. Yeah. Um, that's uh, by design. We just happened to make that. So we just happened to make it so the nucleation point is our dog logo. Cool. We did not invent that technology. We did not invent <laughs> that technology. Yeah. We are utilizing yeah. that technology. Yeah. So maybe I explain nucleation point for people that don't know. Oh, yeah. Let's get into yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Laser nucleation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, well, a little bit of a lead in. The other great thing I love about working uh, at a brewery this size with a restaurant is that I get to do every job. I talked a little bit about what production brewing is like, where you, you walk in the door and you brew until you leave. Um, and now I brew once or twice a week. Um, and then the other days I do every other job in the brewery. Um, inventory and ordering and recipe formulation and some um, some finance stuff all of that all of that I get to dabble in but I don't have to dedicate myself uh, to one thing so um, one of those things is the science behind brewing I am not a scientist but I get to dabble every day so one of the things that makes beer awesome is that it's carbonated so uh, generally it's carbonated with carbon dioxide it's literally gas dissolved in liquid uh, when you pour the beer or disturb it, um, that gas is going to come out as a solution. So when you put, um, when you laser etch a glass, it, it creates a point for that gas to be released from the liquid. So um, yeah, you put it at the bottom of the glass and it, it creates a nice steady stream. Oh, something else that um, we've noticed is you guys have all these little buttons and you make different ones for like different holidays and different events. So, And then um, for your first anniversary party, if people had collected all of them, you had something special for them. So what was the idea behind that and how do you keep making all these different buttons? <laughs> well, that's one of the... That's one of the beauties of, you know, having an icon is you can adjust it and, yeah. and kind of make it however you want. Um, and we'll do that again for our second anniversary party, too. I, I like to see who's paying attention and getting those. <laughs> um, you know, that was something easy. You know, those buttons aren't that expensive, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, pe- they're, people are in, endeared by them. You know, they mm-hmm. people really like them. Yeah. So it's something that we could do without much risk and we just can give them away. You know, it's, it's one thing to do that sort of thing and try to sell them each event. Um, but it just kind of gives more of, uh, just kind of event feel Mm -hmm. to be able to just offer something cool, you know, season out, seasonally based. And, um, yeah, we, uh, I I do like to, the idea was to always have people be able 
be rewarded for coming and supporting us at all these events. So mm-hmm. um, be look, watch on social media. If you have all of your pins, um, you'll be entitled to some free tickets oh, and wow. some free stuff. So Pretty cool. Yeah. So we have uh, some audience questions. We put out a post and see it sets off. If there was anyone who had some questions. We actually answered a couple of them already, I think. But a couple on here that uh, that uh, I don't think we've talked about. So I have a really good detailed one here. Let's see. I think this will be for Sam. So it said, I love experimenting with alternative grains and baking, like teff and buckwheat. And I've I even seen quinoa whiskey. Why don't I see lots of beers made with grains like that? Uh, I th- they're They're out there. Um, you just got to look for them. Um, yeah, I think it's a complicated answer. Beer by definition is a barley product. So, um, to be considered beer, you need to be made of 51% barley. Traditionally beer is, um, been made for hundreds of years and it's, it's traditionally a barley product. Uh, brewers use other grains all the time. Oats and wheat are the other most common. And then rye is probably after that. Um, and then once you expand off of that, you get into um, spelt and then um, and corn too. You know, there's a lot of uh, beer that's made with corn or corn sugar. Um, so they're they're out there, but the they're not a hundred percent that grain. That grain is an adjunct. It's used generally not so much for flavor. Rye would be more flavor, mm-hmm. uh, but used for mouthfeel or body, um, or even now that we're in the age of the haze craze. Um, Brewers are using large amounts of those adjuncts to create a cloudiness in their beer. So, the there are a lot of alternative grains being used, um, and, and some the, of them are some of them are. It's really just cost prohibitive to use. I'm sure. I mean, on on the scale of trying to make a beer with those, you know, we've run into that a little bit. Uh, you know, it's really expensive to use beer to use ingredients that aren't um, widely used. Yeah, I guess because. You need vast quantities yeah. of it. <laughs> but there there are so many beer styles. Um, brewers are brewing beer with um, leftover bread. Uh, bread waste is one of the largest. Uh, I think it is the largest food waste. So mm-hmm. there is a surplus of bread in uh, everywhere you look. Every bakery, every grocery store, every household generally has a surplus of bread. And you can brew with bread uh, at a certain percentage. So... Um, you can use all sorts of grains. The the other issue with that is that beer, especially in a commercial setting, really should be flavor first. So you can use all sorts of grains. You can use whatever grain you want, but it does need to be delicious. So um, <laughs> through the out the hundreds of years of brewing, um, there are certain grains that taste better, and those are the ones that are more widely used. Um, one grain that I'm really interested in is, uh, it's called Kernza, the mm-hmm. Land Institute, um, which is actually based in Kansas, um, in Salina, and they have a t- some test plots here outside of Lawrence. Um, Wes Jackson, his whole goal was to solve our country's agricultural problem um, by developing a perennial grain. So throughout the last 10 or 20 years, uh, the Land Institute has developed Kernza, which is a perennial grain that can be grown in Kansas um, and it's not replanted. It has really deep roots. It pulls nu- uh, nutrients from the soil. It stops erosion. It does all of the, it solves a lot of the problems with modern uh, agriculture. And it, um, it, it has been used uh, in beer. The couple companies have used it. Um, I've done some testing with it. Um, availability is really hard. And for us to try to take the, the leap and make, brew a beer with it, um, not, especially with that flavor first, um, uh, needing to have it be delicious is, is kind of hard. So 
um, that's that's something that's on my radar is yeah always looking for alternative grains and then that's the one that's uh, top of my list huh. cool. That's cool i had never heard of that do you guys have a favorite beer that you've made so far Oh, what's, really what's the cliche answer? Whatever beer's in my yeah. glass. <laughs> can, can Sam step outside for a minute? For yeah. this? <laughs> um, there's been a few, uh, you know, electric, um, IPA has been our number one seller since we opened. It's the only beer that we have that we've had the whole time. Yeah. We've never run out of it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of near it's, and you know, it's also, uh, you know, like Sam said, we make the beers we make are the beers that we like to drink, and and obviously that was a style that we really like. This was one of the first ones we made, um, so so it's really near and dear to our hearts. Um, I really liked. We did a double IPA last summer called Minnesota Nice that was a collab with some friends mm-hmm. in honor of a um, a mutual friend. Um, that beer was great. We had it for the summer. We used it to raise some proceeds. Um, so I, you know, the taste of the beer is is obviously number one, but I really dig it, dig the, the story and kind of where that beer came from or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the idea behind it, um, the name, or if we can come up with some sort of graphic or something for it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, um, I, I, my taste change with the seasons. Um, but now that I'm getting older, really lower alcohol beers are what I gravitate towards. And, uh, the company I worked for in Chicago was really a pale ale brewery. We had, were open for, I think, three years before we, and we were known as being a, a, a brewery that made great hoppy beers, and it took us three years to make an IPA. So we were really a pale ale brewery, and I think that's really where my heart lies. So I really love um, really hoppy, uh, low bitterness pale ales. So that's why Eastside Pale Ale is the beer I brewed that I, so that I could drink it. Um, so selfishly, that's why we have Eastside Pale Ale, because that's what I want to have at the end of the day. That's nice. awesome. How about food? If you had to pick one one thing to eat all the time, man. When you work in uh, next to a kitchen every day, you get really intimate with the menu. So my hidden gem is the grilled cheese mm. with tomato and an egg. It's the best. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, I've. Um, you know, we 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 have Brussels sprouts Brussels sprouts on our menu year round. So they do good. change seasonally, so three or four times a year they're different. But it doesn't matter; those are still probably my favorite go-to. Uh, right now, we have uh, one of our small plates is a pickled peach crostini, mm. um, which has been the last couple of weeks. I've been kind of going that, and like Sam said, we eat there a lot, uh, so we kind of go up and down. You go in <laughs> phases where you'll get into really into something, and then the next week you'll get really into something else. I think the big hitter right now is the steak frites. Yeah. Um, the fries or the frites are, they're different than our waffle fries and they're amazing. Um, I'm a vegetarian, but I still would recommend to everyone to try the steak frites because <laughs> I see it coming out of the kitchen. It looks awesome. Uh, and the pasta too, um, they do pasta specials and then uh, seasonal pasta as well. And that's usually kind of a hidden gem on our menu. A lot of people don't come to a brewery thinking that they're going to have a, a bowl of pasta or even like a delicate bowl of pasta but uh, we oftentimes have a, an excellent one so that's something I would recommend. Do you guys have a favorite place to eat in Lawrence that's not Lawrence Beer Co? Yeah I do for sure. Bonbon <laughs> uh, bon is my yeah. favorite restaurant. Um, it also happens to be on our block so it's very convenient. Yeah yeah um, there's a you know there's there's a bunch of great ones you know Merchants and Limestone and Burger Stand and all those places. Um, I, I would like to spend more time uh, eating at other places, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> the last couple of years, I haven't had a lot of opportunity to. But, yeah, we're lucky to be surrounded by some, you know, not only wonderful restaurants, really talented people, but they're all just 
super good dudes and good crew and 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 so we just really enjoy just the whole aspect of it but the other one i'd like to shout out is uh burrito king yeah burrito king has a bad rap for being late night food but it is so good those, those tamales got us through that year of construction That's right. <laughs> try it for a sober lunch you will yeah. not be disappointed and so let's talk about uh the big event coming up uh you got your second anniversary party on uh, august 23rd so uh what's gonna happen there yeah so we're closing the street down um friday august 23rd for our second uh, anniversary party this will be our third street party that we've thrown uh, if you count the grand opening but we have a band um one of my other favorites um for a long time is a band called the urge out of st louis fits our genre that we've <laughs> stuck with um there's a uh um local band from Kansas city and then um a band that we've had a couple times come out from fort collins called one flew west that were really they're kind of up and comers um, that we've, we've kind of attached ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll have some food trucks. Um, we're having a, we went out and, uh, brewed a beer at Odell brewing, uh, a couple weeks ago. So we'll have a collab with, uh, a wonderful brewery. Um, we'll have a new beer that we're releasing at the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the tickets are available at our website and at our brewery. Um, they're just $10 for GA. So affordable, um, We'll just should have a nice evening. Um, we just close our block, the stage across the street, um, just open up and invite the whole community to come celebrate with us. It's no fun, you know, celebrating or throwing a party for yourselves. So uh, we just invite everybody we know. Cool. Yeah, and we, we try to do that $10 ticket price. That sort of subsidizes the band. Um, it allows us to book a bigger name. Yeah. Uh, but we're balancing trying to get, uh, be really inclusive to all people. It's not mm-hmm. a $30 concert. Um, so for $10, you can see an awesome show with a bigger name band um, and then have a great time. Um, so that's sort of like the middle ground that we're trying to, um, we're trying to, trying to find. And, that, you know, uh, my kids will be, my kid will be there yeah. um, and my family will be there. So, um, yeah, it's a, it will be an awesome event. Yeah. Yeah. You guys know how to throw a party. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd also like to plug, um, we're doing uh, okay. another bottle release oh, um, yeah. on right. August 11th. Um, we've kind of gotten our foray. Um, we've done a, we did a couple small batch bottle releases last year mm-hmm. um, that seemed to go really well. Um, so we have, I'll let Sam dig into the beer. But uh, our next one is August 11th. Uh, be our first one since uh, Christmas time. Yeah, so since we don't normally bottle or can, we can be really selective um, and just bottle beers that really benefit from the format. So we bottled our Imperial, our Barrel Age Imperial Stout, um, and we did a higher alcohol winter warmer in a bottle. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this new release is our first uh, mixed culture beer. So we brewed a beer uh, in our brewery, fermented it with our house saison yeast. Uh, then we added um, one pound per gallon of peaches and added uh, wild yeast and bacteria um, and then aged that for eight months. So the, the mixed culture, uh, Britannomyces and Lactobacillus and Pediococcus, um, gets to feed on the peaches that we added, and that's what sours the beer and creates a lot of complexity. Um, so that um, is a, it's a long-term project. Um, and so that's something I'm really excited about. Uh, then we'll have that ready. I mean, it's ready now. We're um, it's bottle conditioning. So that's another thing that's a first for us. Uh, this style really benefits from 
uh, conditioning in the bottle. So once the aging process is done and the beer is soured and it's tasting right, we'll bottle it and add a little bit more yeast and a little bit uh, specific amount of sugar and it will carbonate in the bottle uh, and then develop flavor profiles over time. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's called Big Wonderful. So it'll be out very soon. Oh, that's awesome. And what's it take to bottle? Because you guys don't have like official big bottling equipment, right? So you're, it, these are all hand... Uh, hand the package basically yeah yeah uh you can you can build packaging equipment no problem so um yeah i built um a counter pressure bottle filler um that we use for our imperial stout and the winter warmer um so that's a beer that's carbonated in a a brewing vessel and then uh counter pressure filled into the bottle um the quality of our homemade filler is as good as a production f- filler. Mm-hmm. It's just much slower and more labor <laughs> intensive. So, um, yeah, we did the same thing with our bottle condition filler. It's just a gravity filler, and we filled two bottles at a time, hand cap them, um, let them condition, and then label, hand label. Yeah. So, yeah, I've touched every bottle, uh, <laughs> I think, w- b- about five times by the time you get uh, get it on to into someone's hands. Wow! You really you really put in the work. <laughs> How many bottles do you make for a single release like that? Yeah, this one we uh, did a little bit more. Uh, we did right uh, an even nine hundred bottles. Wow! So it's um, we're not trying to create a scarcity, but we also don't want to have bottles floating around forever. Mm-hmm. So about half the batches in bottles, and, and then half will be on draft. So oh, okay. if you're really uh, against buying packaged beer, you can still <laughs> come to the brewery and uh, have a have a pint with us. Well, thanks again to Matt and Sam for talking with us today. Lawrence Beer Company is located at 826 Pennsylvania Street in lovely Lawrence, Kansas. So be sure to check out their second anniversary party on Friday, August 23rd. And you guys are open Tuesday to Sunday? Sunday. Yeah, we open at 11 o'clock every day, except for Sunday. We open at noon, um, and then we're open uh, till 11 uh, during the week, and then on Fridays and Saturdays till midnight. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everyone, be sure to check them out. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Lawrence Forking, Kansas. We had a great time chatting with Matt Williams and Sam McLean of Lawrence Beer Company. We also wanted to do a special shout out to the people that asked on social media the questions that we use for our audience questions. We always love hearing those and asking them of our interviewees. So if you have any questions, be sure to follow us on social media. And when we post about our upcoming episodes, just let us know if you have any questions. We always like getting a feel for what other people are interested in and besides us. So it's great to get your feedback. So yeah, definitely leave us a, leave us a comment. Also, please follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Lawrence Forking Kansas, Instagram at Lawrence Forking Kansas, and Twitter at Lawrence Forking. Feel free to find our pages, like us, follow us, subscribe, leave comments, leave feedback, any of that. And if you're a restaurant or food business owner in town and are interested in coming on the show, just reach out on our social media or email us at lawrenceforkingkansas at gmail.com and let us know. Uh, We're always looking for new people to talk to and would love to have you on. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.